Tracy Smothers, Harley Race, Tim Storm, Bushwhacker Luke, Bobby Fulton. The Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Vault, Vault Volume, Volume 1. 1. Bill Dundee, Supermix Hernandez, C.W. Anderson, Ricky Morton, Sir Moe, and many others share their stories of determination, triumph, and, and sorrow. sorrow. Get your book today at Russellville.com or at Amazon.com. Russellville, Wrestling Hey, this is the one-man goldmine, the one-man enterprise of professional wrestling and all entertainment, Flynn Hendricks. And you better believe when I'm looking for a good podcast to listen to, I go to my own. I go to the I Know You Hear Me podcast hosted by me, Flynn Hendricks. That is such a fresh perspective for how you should look at life, too. Like, I just, I love that. And then when I'm feeling spooky, I go to my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, where myself, yeah. I want my head shoved inside a 15-pound silicone mask more. You know, I want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night. And just Jeff. Dogs don't lay eggs, <laughs> I hate you so much. Talk to other scare actors about what it takes to get into the world of scare acting. So if you're curious about how people became professional wrestlers, actors, prioritized their mental health, became entrepreneurs, avoided burnout, or got into scare acting, you need to go check out I Know You Hear Me and Tales from the Haunt. Available on all podcasting platforms. And I know you hear me. Welcome everybody to the PWZ podcast. I have a very special guest here today. The real deal, Joel Davis. What is going on, my friend? How are you? Exclusive, Professor. This is exclusive. First time on a podcast right here with the Professor Rick Del Santo. Uh, I, real quick question before we get going, Rick. Uh, did you get that permission through Professor Toro Tanaka to use the name? <laughs> remember, remember Tanaka? You I, of course I do. Of course. Uh, some people just started calling me the professor because of my love of the history and my knowledge of the history of professional wrestling dating back to God knows when, you know what I mean? So okay. it just kind of stuck and people started referring to me as the professor. Mm, great name, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So what's going uh, on in, in your, in your uh, neck of the woods? Oh man, oh, man. a lot, a lot, lot going on. I, I want to just start off by God, starting off with a compliment to you. You know, I've been around the business since 91, but it dates mm -hmm. back to the 80s, and I'm going to talk about that for the first time here today. That's going to probably shock a lot of the fans and, and, and a lot of the workers in the business that don't know this information. But I started before 91. Before I started with Kowalski, I was still involved in pro wrestling. Okay. And, uh, today, I'm going to um, uh, give that information for the first time here on your podcast, the uh, pro wrestling, uh, pro wrestle zone. But 
what I want to say, Rick, is is the reason why I decided to do this. I, I don't do many interviews. I do interviews on and off, but I decided to do this because you're a perfect gentleman. I've I've seen a few of your interviews. Okay, thank you. Um, thank and you. Uh, you are always very professional. You can see the passion that you have. You respect you respect you know the workers, and you know it's, it's not an easy business. Right. You've respected us, and you can see it in your podcast. And if I thought otherwise, I would wouldn't have you know say okay, take your invite. I do appreciate the invite, but I just want you to know you're doing a great job, and always do what you love, brother, because that's that's part of the, this life, you know. Now everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Right. And that's a good saying, and you're living and you're enjoying what you're doing. So so starting off, a great compliment to you. You're a professional host. I'm glad to be here. Um, I hope the viewers enjoy what we're going to talk about today, and uh, it's 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 great to be here on the show. But I do want to, but I, but I have to say something, not to cut you sure. off. No, go ahead. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to address the situation, Rick, here on your podcast. Um, if I don't know how well you know me or how well your your viewers and listeners know who I am in my real life versus in, in the business, and all all my all my persona and my character is just magnified times ten in the in the ring. Cause this, I'm really who I am. This is who right. I am 24 seven. Um, so I always keep it real. So what we, what we need to, what we need to bring up right here, what I want to bring up. Um, and I, and I want this to get out there so we can get this straight. There's a uh, television program. That's an independent television program that comes out of the state of New Hampshire. Now, you know, you know, of course I got eyes, ears, people looking out for me and things get back to me. There's been something that was brought up recently, Rick and, uh, um, I have to address it, you know, and, and I'm going to basically just uh, put it right on the line. It's going to be a shoot right here. Um, this New Hampshire program, I enjoy the program. Um, I, I've watched it several times myself. But what, what actually what I have to bring up today is one of the recent programs that they had. Um, the host, no problem with him. He was he got he, I think he got kind of a kick out of what was going on. But there was a co-host. On the program, this is recent now, within the last like six, eight weeks, Rick. Uh, the co-host is just a mark. He's just he's he's he hasn't done anything in the business. Um, quite quite honestly, I hate to say it, but dude, you couldn't carry my my bag to the freaking locker room on your best day, you know. And the reason why I say that is because talking shit. I don't I don't go for that, Rick. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just a wrestling related show. It's a wrestling related oh, yeah. show. It's the okay. I'm bringing up. It's a it's yep. a independent. You know, we're not going to give out the, we're not going to, we're not going to put them right on blast. They're out in New Hampshire. They know who they are. There was a host, a co-host and a manager that was on a recent show that they had. My name comes up. So the, the manager mentions to the host um, that, um, that one of the, one of the, you know, one of his workers that he managed that night um, ended up getting tuned up a little bit. What happened is let's get this straight. Dude, bro, you've been telling this story for like a year. You said the same story on the same show about maybe one year ago. And then six weeks ago, you said the same story again, get your facts straight. It was said, I, I threw a baby carriage at this guy. I, I mean, this is, I mean, I hit him with a chair all this that was said, I punched him in the mouth. You're saying all this. And you know what? It's all true. Because he sucker punched me, Rick, before the match went on. It's known that this, this manager who can't get his story straight, it's known the worker that he manages. Rick, honestly, brother, he's got a problem with alcohol. He sauces okay. it up before he gets in the ring, okay? I'm at a killer Kowalski's. I never drank a, a, a sip of beer. 
I always I always wrestled straight. No, no, no kind of drinking. That was me old school. This particular wrestler, which I got no problem with him. He knows who he is. We're not gonna put his name out there. Hey, I love you, brother, but dude, I had to kick your ass. Can I say? And I kicked your ass again. You know what I mean? I mean, you gotta you gotta understand something. I'm not only a pro wrestler, I've trained mixed martial arts, kickboxing, boxing. I'm you know, I'm not I don't back down from nobody. I never have, never will, even today. So that particular wrestler that this manager managed doesn't understand. This guy that you managed was sauced up. He was drunk. He took a sucker punch at me. It was in his hometown. That was it. Boom, boom, boom. Which I stretched him out. That is the story. But what I what I want to conclude with and get this out right out in the open here is I'm not so upset, Rick, with you kind of, I don't want to say pissed off or angry because I don't like to use all those words, but a little bit disappointed in the manager that, that talking this the same story and he doesn't get it straight. He hasn't got it straight for a year. He adds shit to it every time he tells a story. Dude, the guy was drunk. He sucker punched me, so I kicked his ass. Ask anybody that's been in the room. I'm snug. I hit I, I hit hard. Okay? Old school. Yeah. Yeah, man, old school. I want people to get their money. I hit hard, and I, I've been hit hard. My head's been busted open. My ribs have been broken. I mean, I hurt every day, man. I hit hard, and I take it. You know what I mean? I don't cry about it. So what happened to him is he got basically knocked out. It was a technical knockout. He was out. Okay. What bothers me, and this is what I want to say on your podcast today, what really bothers me and what I want to get out in the open right now is that weasel, that, that little mark that was in there, that was standing, he had his arm, holding his arm like this, talking, talking. Dude, shut your mouth. He comes out with this and he says, oh, I know who Joel Davis is. I know who real deal Joel Davis is. And he was at a big uh, memorial show, which I was. I know exactly what he's talking about, Rick. He's talking about, he said it was all about me. Dude, I traveled an hour and a half to go up to the show. Rick, you know what I'm talking about. I did yeah. payday. I went out there. I did the angle that I was part of. I was putting an angle. I did my angle. I took time and talked with the fans and, and did my thing. And I shined. If I outshined his boys or somebody that he likes, get over it. Okay? Because all I'm saying is this, this mark here. Talking crap and saying that it was all about Joel Davis and that I haven't changed just because he wanted to be in Rick. You know what I mean? He wanted to be in yes. manage in with the manager. Though it's kind of like, dude, if you got something to say to me, Mofo, talk to me in person. You'll see me around. Come on over to me and tell me about how it was all about me because it wasn't. I was there performing my best. If I outshine somebody, get over it. Okay, so that's what I wanted to say. I want to get that right now, right out in the open. Don't piss me off, man. Got you. I'm going to have to get all that info off air, just for the record. <laughs> Got you. He maybe he's trying to get you out of retirement. No? To come out to the ring? Bro, I kick all three of their asses, bro. All right. <laughs> I'd pay to see it. Do whatever you got. <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll come up to New Hampshire. I'll come to New Hampshire to see that. <laughs> Let's talk about you said you trained before Kowalski. Who'd you train with uh before Kowalski? I'm always intrigued as to how people get into the business because yeah. it was a different era. It's not like today there's schools and I wouldn't say every corner, but basically yeah. there's three or four, maybe five or six uh schools in every state. You know what I mean? Depending on how big your state is. But totally back then it was way harder to get into the business. I mean, yeah. Kowalski was one of the longest running schools to my you know recollection, now the Bell Time Club. Yeah. So how uh, how did you originally get into, and who did you train with before hitting up Kowalski? And then how did you get to Kowalski? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So 
Uh, 80, 80, 86, 1986, 80. That early. Wow. I'm in high school. Yeah. I'm backyard, backyard wrestling. That's how I got into it. Backyard wrestling. So no actual trainer. So mm-hmm. to speak. Um, uh, we had uh, a group of maybe 20, 25 teenagers that were in this backyard uh, wrestling federation in, in 85, 86. Uh, I, I, I ended up being the heavyweight champion of gentleman. Joel was the name Wore the white sweatpants with the, with the gentleman down the side. I've had chains around my neck. We wrestled right through the winter. I went bad check. Didn't mind, you know, beat, beat these guys with the chain. I'm out really to heal in the backyard wrestling. So self-trained in 85, 86, um, uh, it ended up being pretty decent. We sold tickets for two bucks a piece, and uh, we had a few crowds, and people liked it. Freaking yeah. teachers were buying tickets and shit. And um, I was a hated heel even back then. Um, I came up to Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Um, That's that, probably uh, at that time in the 80s and early 90s, one of the most overused ring entrance songs, right? Gino Hernandez is the one with that. Gino, I think, didn't Lawler use it at one point as well? He may have. I, I'm not sure. I know Gino. I know. Gino ended up eventually. I think uh, didn't he switch to "We Will Rock You" by Queen at one point as well? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I think so. No, yeah. I mean not. All right. Yeah, I, I, well, I know. I know. We, I know. We teamed. I know. We teamed with Adams and. Yeah, yeah maybe that was around that period. Sorry. Yeah, you, yeah, no, no, you had to throw it in, and you got you know. It's your thoughts, man. That's how you are, brother. You're true. You're true. I was watching. I was watching the other night. I was watching because I've been going back on Peacock and watching a lot of world class. Um, you, you being a New England guy. ESPN, it was on every day at 4 p.m. on, uh, you know, ESPN at uh, Legends of World Class. So I used to rush home. I know I've told this story every podcast probably. I used to rush home after school just so I could watch that. Forget the homework. I would do the homework after. Yeah, I've heard this this about five times, man. I'm sure. (laughs) You don't need to tell me. Come on, man. (laughs) Appreciate it, bro. I talk about that. Maybe you coming out of many... Russia tonight? Or you got a Russia yeah. tonight? Where are you coming from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still sober. I probably like, won't be. Like I won't be by the end. Really but, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like him and Adams were a great tag team. And they, at the end, they ended up having an amazing feud on top of it. They did. They did. Yeah. So, so that, let's go that, back. So yeah. So that's the backyard wrestling, 80, yep. 85, 86. Yep. 87, I'm a senior in high school. Okay. Okay. Following the sport. Boston got in. Providence Civic Center, a few friends out of uh, a, a city out of this area in Massachusetts. Right. Um, a couple of guys my age, older brother thrives as we go to the shows. And I never mentioned this before. So this is a, this is a big shoot. I'm not going to get into detail here. I, I, okay. I will Someday I will uh, on maybe a shoot interview. I will eventually get to detail, but I'm going to, I'm going to just drop this just so you know, this is a fact. Um, I still have the article of when there was an actual article on the front page of the sports when I was involved in this and when this was when this became well like known publicly there was a lot of heat a lot of heat and I truly believe this may have may have corrupted my career I'm not talking crazy I took a lot of chair shots brother I took I mean I'm a May box and all that but I'm I'm, t- I'm talking real straight when I tell you when I tell you it you may you may agree I don't I don't expect you to give me your opinion but I will tell you, in 87, I was part of the, 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 the ring crew with Mel Phillips. Really? Would you care to elaborate at all? I mean, no? Nope. Okay. Kidding, but I, I'm just letting you know, man. I got. I was. That's, a, that's about when that stuff was uh, really coming out. 1987. Look yeah. into it. You'll know. 
I have the article. I have the article because I remember when I went. I can t- I'll, I'll share this part with you. When I arrived at the Providence Civic Center after it made the newspaper, because you know I'm a senior in high school, and the, and the sports sports page wanted to write about it. You know yep. that I, with the WWF and you know traveling with them with Phillips and the ring crew at, at 17, 18 years old. They wanted to know about it. So um, when that article hit the hit the you know the, the newsstands, and I ran into uh, Mel Phillips for the first time at Providence Civic Center with my other two friends that were also my age. Mel Phillips had a fucking fit. Phillips was raged. He was enraged. I didn't know why at the time. He tried to continue in the business afterwards. Wasn't he uh, trying to promote his own shows at an independent level? I didn't hear that part. Yeah. Well, I guess, um, where was it? About a year or two ago, I saw somebody auctioning off some business cards post his WWF career. So from his era, uh, like, you know, but I think he didn't, I don't know when he passed, but you know, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's just insane. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, it's just something that I just wanted to share today because I'm, I'm getting up there in age now and, and it's just something that um, I just want to share. And then eventually some kind of a, just a straight shoot interview. I can, I'll get into the details of what, what I seen, what happened. And believe me, I was there, man. Yeah. So, but so that was before I got in with, with Kowalski. So that's 87. Um, and then the 1990, late 1990, I heard about Kowalski's. And I wanted to I wanted to go up um, and check it out. Um, uh, the first time I went up, I, I, I ran into superstar Richard Burns. Um, and it was earlier in, in 91. It might have been January 91. And Walter wasn't there that day. Um, and uh, Burns said, you got to come back and see Walter. Um, and, uh, so I didn't know what night said. I didn't know anything. Like you said, it was tough to get in and tough to know anything. Um, so I drove back up again. Um, I think it was like a Tuesday night cause the training was Tuesday and Thursday nights and Saturday and Sundays. It's a Tuesday night. And that's when I met Walter for the first time. And, uh, February 5th, 1991, I gave him $1,500 and I joined, uh, Killer Kowalski's training. Now, remember when I tell you, professor, I drank, I, when I trained with Kowalski, I trained with Kowalski. Not all these guys that trained with Kowalski when Kowalski wasn't getting in the ring, when Kowalski wasn't really even trained. Not that I'm knocking these guys. Hey, listen, there's some great talent that came after me. Don't get me wrong. They're still out here. But I'm just saying, I'm an original 91, 1991 Kowalski guy that was in the ring, trained with, you know, you know, Triple H sat right there across from where I was. Outback Jack came in and do some training for a while. I trained many times with the, the late great John Cronus and also Perry Satin, who's an amazing athlete, flying mm-hmm. Wilcox, Freight Train Fulton. You know, these are these are guys that you know they, they were great indie guys. Great they were guys. all in the in the same class or or, same or class. still training there. Wow, that's amazing. We're all together. We're all like yeah. we're all like either finishing like Triple H was finishing up. I was coming in. Tony Roy was still there. He was he was training in there. Wilcox and Will Wilcox and Fulton were just about getting, you know, getting, you know, they started getting booking when I came in in 91 or right. 91. Um, Cronus and, and Satin were already established. The first pro wrestler, the first pro wrestler to come over to me, I want to say this in your podcast, the first pro wrestler to anyone, I'm talking about anyone, anybody. And I worked with even guys like Snooky Fink, Tim McNeeny, the graduate, Tim McNeeny. Okay. He's a great athlete too. He's Snooky Fink. These guys well, rings a bell, but I'm I, I just yeah I'm trying to remember. Yeah. But out of everyone, out of everyone I mentioned, and then some. Um, 
uh, Derek, Derek, the big man, the big bulldozer. Okay. Six ten. He was he was in the Scott Shockey. But the first pro wrestler to come over and put his hand out and and and, and just basically say, my name is, and boom, I, I Perry Satin, the first first pro wrestler. First, first contact I ever had. It was like my second night up there, or maybe my first night up there. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, so we, we know, and uh, you know, that's, that's how I learned, man. I got in a ring with those guys, man. You know, and you took some beatings, man. That's why, you know, yeah. that, that was my career. If you watch, I don't know, if, I don't know if you've seen me live or if you've seen me on tape, but I mean, I hit hard. I hit hard. I always hit hard all the way through. But yeah. I, I expect to take it. You know? I think it was the later '90s at some point that I saw you. Uh, in person and actually in person that's why when you know you commented on my video on my uh, my post in the in the group and then you realize as soon as i hit the the real deal joe j joel davis excuse me it's that white russian kicking in <laughs> you got it bro <laughs> i literally just said holy shit you know what i mean but i remember you i believe you were working in memphis as well am i am i correct on that I worked, or i worked in uh i was down in well well if you want to move on from move on from Kowalski, but well, we can go back, yeah. But I think that that's where I remembered your name most, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. But I did see you up here as well. Yeah, I went. I I, flew, I, I went right down there, man. I, I was moving pretty quick. I, I debuted yeah. with IWCCW. That's a, that I definitely want to get into. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I yeah. can tell you the, story, the whole story about that. It's kind of an interesting story. I don't know if you you've realized this by now, but I was a whole Savoldi Mark. So, <laughs> you know. There's nothing so, wrong with that, brother. It's just, well, you know, it had to be the best indie ever. I mean, it was, yeah. it was like in the middle of indie and major, you know. It was the first indie that I ever, ever discovered. Literally, or just um, I'll tell this story how I discovered it. I was at my grandmother's house on a Sunday morning. She would always watch church on television is, okay. rather than go. That's and close. Was, That's close to IWCCW. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it was on right before. The, yeah. the church program, or maybe it was Charles Corralt or, you know, the news. It was one of those two programs. She right. demanded the television on Sunday mornings, those two programs. Mm. So I was allowed to watch anything else I wanted within the, uh, with the exception of those two hours, you know what I mean? Church. And then uh, uh, Charles Corralt, who did the Sunday morning news uh, stories or whatever. So yeah. I just remember seeing uh, the Duke yeah. in, uh, in, well, in man, the Duke, yeah. 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 It wasn't, you know, Ah, geez, it might have still been ICW at the time, uh, which I believe it was. But I just remember because at this time, the only thing I really knew about was WWF, the the NWA, the AWA, and World Class. And I might not have even heard of World Class at the time, actually. But when I saw this, I saw ICW. Like, Holy shit, what is this? And then, you know, we had a different cable system where I lived in uh, a few towns over in Woodbridge, Connecticut, and. It was on Sports Channel, which unfortunately I didn't get at the time. But yeah, literally, in a, yeah, within a couple of years, I ended up having that channel, and it was IWCCW at the time. It was the merged uh, the, of the two. And you like this right here, man. This yeah. Right. So uh, move on with uh, Kowalski. Do you have oh, any yeah. other? Look at that what's, one. What's that? I can't. Uh... Tattoo, All right. brother. IWCCW, man. That is amazing. You actually got that tattooed on you. Yeah, they gave, they gave a twenty-one-year-old guy a break, man. They gave me a chance, man. I never forget him. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, do you have any other stories with Kowalski and any of the guys from there? I mean, Perry Saturn was a stories. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Rick. To be honest with you, I mean, Kowalski's was tough. I mean, it was a boxing ring. Um, yep. It was way oh, upstairs boy. in Malden. Yep. Um, you know, there was no playing around, man. I mean, you go in there and. Uh, 
you're going to, you're going to work, man. And, and, and you're going to, you're going to get hit and you're going to, you're going to feel it, you know? And, um, everybody was, everybody in there was, they didn't, you didn't last if you, if you weren't, if you weren't going to be able to actually break in. Right. Um, the crazy thing is I never got a shot with Kowalski. And the reason why is, this is a, something that I've never spoke about in any interview was he was Walter wanted to put me in a mixed tag. Um, and I didn't take that opportunity. Should I have maybe, maybe not, but I, I, I don't regret it. Um, but he had mixed tags and he wanted, he wanted to have a man and woman versus a man and woman. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't believe in it. That's just me. man. So when you say the mixed tag, like you would actually get in there with the woman and wrestle them, like the intergender shit that happens today. I'm not sure if you do that, but you'd be, I don't know if they mix like that, but What's I know you think that it, Snooki it's a very common it's a very common thing in the modern era of wrestling the, the intergender so it's like the mixed tags the guys will get in there with the girls which I don't necessarily agree with I I don't, I don't either. you know care for intergender wrestling one bit but it uh it has become extremely popular in like the last five or so years and I'm just not a fan man not I just me either, man so I didn't know. keep looking because because the deal is Rick with, with Kowalski so you and I agree on that the deal is with Kowalski is if you if, if if you get one booking out of him, he paid a hundred dollars for the for, for your match for your show. Okay, so wow. hundred bucks. That was part of the contract when you signed up for fifteen hundred back in ninety one. Um, I never got that one booking, which is fine because I decided I decided to go on, and then Walter wanted me to wait. I started February fifth ninety one. I debuted October twenty fifth ninety one. And keep in mind, between February and October of that year. My left ankle was snapped in half in a suplex. Jesus. So I had a broken fucking ankle, man. Yeah. And I still came back. When I came back, Walter was sitting on the bench. I'll never forget it. Kowalski was sitting on the bench. When I came back after a broken ankle, right? He just did what he was doing. Oh! He was like, I can't believe you came back. I said, Yeah, man. I said, I want this. I said, okay, get in the ring. <laughs> and then we did like hip tosses and everything. And I trained, man. I kept on training. And- and then, and then it got to be like in October, and I was getting, I was getting to the point, Rick, that I thought I was ready. I, I did, I, I thought I was ready, and and the Savoldis thought I was ready because they booked me and they liked me, you know. And then I went, you know, and you know all the rest of my career. But Walter wanted me to wait a little bit. Should I wait? And there's another one. Should I waited and waited for Walter? Maybe, but hey, there you go. I jumped over and I, I contacted Tommy Savoldi. Uh, it was very difficult to get a hold of, and, and then I went up to Laconia, New Hampshire. And that was my. Uh, Yep. Debut, debut match with, with IWCCW International World Class Championship Wrestling. That was a big card. Do you want to talk about that, man? I can tell you how it happened. I would love to. Uh, let's talk about that because I'm, uh, you know, I'm always interested in finding out a lot of. It's hard to find it. I wouldn't say it's hard to find a lot of information about IWCCW. It's just certain shows are just kind of, you know, it, it's uh, it was a different era where people weren't necessarily keeping the results of, uh, say, indies. You know what I mean? Necessarily. Yeah. So, um, so it was, it was, it was October 25th, 91 in Laconia, New Hampshire. Um, I was calling Tommy Savoldi in, in the office. I had the office number. Um, I was just doing this at, you know, just as random, you know what I mean? No one, yeah. no one connected me with him or anything else. Um, after about 12 or 14 calls, he finally answered. And I told him who I was. He says, he says, come on, kid, come on down. Laconia, New Hampshire he told me to build and all that. So I went down to the building. I'm 21, not quite 22 at the time. 
Um, never, never worked a match in front of an audience. Just worked with Kowalski during those ten months with the broken ankle that put me out a while, like I spoke about. I had that backyard of wrestling, but that didn't really calm. Um, yeah. And I, I did that that small stint with the ring crew there with, with, with WWF. Um, so when I got there, I, I I looked for Tommy. I met Tommy. Um, he introduced me to, to uh, Tony Rumble because Rumble was the booker. Mm-hmm. Tony Rumble and. Um, I went. I told him who I was, and I had the gear bag out in the car. And um, Rumble told me, "I, I, I can't use it tonight." So, so I, said, I was really like, right down. Yeah. Disappointed a little bit. No, really disappointed. I mean, it just went up there. It's like three hours, and Tommy thought that I would be able to be used. So, so excited about trying to get in there, and uh, so I went, sat in the crowd. So I was there. So I was going to watch the show. So I'm sitting in the crowd. And I'll never forget it, man. It's like yesterday, Rick. I looked over, and there's Vito Carlucci, the manager. Remember him? Yeah. Yep. He, he says, Joel Davis, and he's pointing me like this. I said, yeah, I'm going to be He says, come on. He says, Tony Rumble wants to see you. I got right up. I'm like, yeah. I went back there. I said, yeah, Tony. He says, get your gear. He says, you're on. He says, number three with Tubby Muffet. I said, who's that? <laughs> I looked. I thought I was looking at Haystacks Calhoun. Right. I remember oh, that guy. I was yeah. like, what? You know who Muffet is? Yeah, yeah, big boy, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean, I mean, he, and I'm like one legit one seventy five. I'm like, okay, and he's sitting it on the bench and he's eating Fritos. Me and you tonight, and uh, and he says, he said to Tony Rumble, he says, Tony he says, what do you want me to give him? He says, look at him, nothing, nothing, just squash him. Third match. <laughs> so he says, you you you're the heel tonight, Davis. I said, all right. Um, and I can play the heel, man. I played the, I played heel and face my whole career. You know that. I said, yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the heel, whatever you want. I mean, it's my debut. Now I'm sitting in there and I'm looking around. There's Taz, who I spoke to. There's uh, Coco Beware. Um, the main event was Coco Beware, the Birdman versus Kevin Sullivan that night. IWCCW. Okay. Tony Rumble, uh, late great Boston Bad Way, Tony Rumble, managed Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. And he worked with Coco Beware in the main event. Uh, Surfer Ray Odyssey was there. Uh, it's another guy I'm trying to get in touch with, uh, yeah. Surfer Ray. Yeah, yeah, man. He was on the card. Um, Jumping Joe Savoldi, uh, great athlete. He was he was on the card. He was a um, great wrestler, Joe Savoldi. And was. one of the interviews I've done pretty recently is just that he, you know, he never went um, further. Well, he was tied in with the fan with the Savolis. He was loyal to him. Yeah, in any of the bigger companies, even though he worked for, like, you know, uh, uh, Bill Watts or and did the tours of Puerto Rico because of the Savolis. He was was literally – He was face all day. He was loyal to his family, so Mm -hmm. he didn't go any further. So so just think of just who I just mentioned. I mean, Haitian Sensation, Tyree Pride. Um, Remember him? Yeah. He uh, was worked. He worked Crockett's too, I believe. Yeah, he did. So yep. this is, you know, big city Mike who passed away. Tommy mm-hmm. Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer. These are the yeah. guys I'm in the locker room with. And, I, and Coco Beware says, uh, I got to trim Frankie's uh, nails. So Joseph Oldie and I had to hold up. A, we had to hold up a uh, towel, right, Rick? So the bird couldn't see. And <laughs> we're chopping it. I'm like, it was just like, it was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. And you know who was on the card? Tiger Jackson, the little midget. Yeah. Running yeah. around the locker room. You gotta remember, I'm still all new to all this. And I'm like, and all I remember is Tiger Jackson saying to like Tiger Jackson asked like, everybody. He asked me. 
I mean, I'm greener than green. He even asked me. He's like, where do I get fucky, fucky, sucky, sucky? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> but the, it was great to be with those guys. And I'm going to tell you this. And you know, Professor, you've been around, Rick. Yeah. A lot of guys say that their first match was a battle royal or it wasn't really. It was a backyard match. I, you know, I'm so proud to say I debuted at IWCCW. That was in October of 91. By November 91, I was down south with the Dundies. Before we move on to the Dundies and what you just spoke about with uh, the IWCCW, do you have any uh, other memories uh, in IWCCW and with um, Tony Rumble in particular? Oh, man, Tony Rumble, that's going to be a big deal. you got to remember I worked with CWA. And NWA New England. Yeah, CWA. ICW. I currently live in Wallingford, Connecticut. I'm sure if you work CWA or IWCCW, you worked in this town. I worked in the Toyota dealership a couple times. That's what I was just about to say, that he would book in the Toyota dealership right 10 minutes from my house. I remember doing those. Yeah. Yep. Shop paydays and long rides, man. (laughs) City locker rooms. (laughs) But good crowd, man. Connecticut's yeah. a great wrestling city. Connecticut is a great wrestling state, I should say. It really yeah. is. It was quiet for a little while, you know, after, you know, when, when WCW was bought up by the McMahons and the independents were flourishing, you know, they were it was really hard. Uh, it was dead for a while, man. But over yeah. the years, especially, yeah. say, the last four to five years, Connecticut's hot, man. New England in general, but Connecticut is is – really hot right now we have a, a shitload of really great talent here today in the modern uh in the modern era yeah yeah i mean it's it's hey, i love pro wrestling man i i don't watch it anymore you know mm-hmm. I just don't, you know i mean nothing at all no just i i, I catch the, the the indies and stuff you know what i mean on youtube yeah. i watch yeah. wcw or sometimes I, sometimes i might catch some of the new indies you know what I mean? Yeah, I check out sometimes what you know Paul Romer and Mary Mancini are doing. I That's out, you know, I go to every single one of those shows, so yeah. you know, I'm always there. So, yeah, uh, that's what I like is the indies, yeah. you know, a lot of older indies, but sometimes I'll check out some of the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has something to do with my announcement tonight when we get to that. Okay, uh, but Rumble, you want to know about like ICW memories with Rumble? Is that what sure, you sure, yeah. I mean, I you know, I'm always intrigued because. Yeah. You know, there, he has such a great history with the Savoldis and then forming CWA and forming NWA New England, you yeah. know. Yeah. So. He, he was always, um, he was even even ICW, he was always just a, a straight shooter, very professional, no nonsense, didn't take any shit from anybody. Um, yeah. At the end of that night, I was handed directions to the next I, IWCCW show. I made a decision to go down south. Again, these, you're independent pro wrestler. You got to remember, I'm a young guy. Were all these decisions the right decisions? Hey, man, I don't know, man, but I had a great career, brother. Right. I did, I did a lot, man, you know, and I'm just it was hard. It was hard back then, you know what I mean? You never know what would end up, like, where were you You would end up if you were working the indies, whether it was the right decision. You yeah, know? I, I think about it. I mean, I probably should stay with IWCCW. I was given the directions. They told me about the next show. Apparently, they wanted me back. You know what I mean? It was 91, you know. I I, I, had, I was fortunate enough to work with so many of these guys, though, because you got to remember, a lot of these guys went with Rumble. I mean, like mm-hmm. Big Val Puccio, God rest his soul, one of the original Undertakers. I got to work with him. I mean, Eric Tombstone, um, uh, Eric Sprasha, um, uh, Vic, Vic Steamboat, Vic Steamboat. Yeah. yeah, one of your favorites, Sprasha. I mean, a lot of these guys, <laughs> a lot of these guys I, I, I watch this shit. A lot of these guys I got to work with. You know what I mean? That were original ICW guys. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked a lot of nights with Atlas and, you know, all, you know, once we get to CWA, NWA, New England, I can tell you, I mean, I got, yeah, yeah I got a lot of stories, but I can give you two or three tonight. You know, what brought you to the, uh, to the Dundees? You know, you, you started working, I guess you ended up, were you training under superstar bill, uh, somewhat after that or. Yeah. yeah I, had, I had taken what I learned from Kowalski Yep. and I went down South and, uh, Bill had taken me and uh, trained me uh, briefly, uh, about, a, about maybe a quarter of a year. Maybe I was down there maybe about three months. Okay. Um, and then I ended up coming back, and it was like a big deal when I came back because uh, some of the guys knew who I was, which I which I thought was pretty cool. But I stayed down there. What happened was I I, I lived with Jamie. Do you know what Jamie Ice Baby Dundee is? One of PG- uh, JC Ice, yeah, JC Ice. yeah, from uh, uh, PG thirteen, yeah. Oh crap! I don't have them out laid out on the, here. I got the uh, I got little action figures of PG thirteen. <laughs> they were just released last year. Were they? Okay. Yeah. I love how I love how you are. So, you're such a great fan. You know, I wouldn't call you a mark. I call you a fan. But you also well, thank you. Oh yeah, you're really, I mean, I talked about a mark earlier. I mean, I had a vent. I, yeah. I know you'd be editing that. If you want, you can put it underneath the, the podcast. We had to vent. We had to vent. Uh, we we don't to- really edit much out, so I'm just telling you that. <laughs> But I stayed, I used to live with Jamie Dundee. Mm-hmm. Now, you've seen Jamie's shoots, you know Jamie, you know Jamie Dundee, you know his history. Yeah. Great wrestler, second generation. Yep. Okay. You know me a little bit, right? Yeah. Now, can you picture me and this guy living together in our 20s? <laughs> well, <laughs> anybody in their 20s, really. I mean, come on. You we're all I just remember myself as a 20-something year old. I was a kind of a maniac at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah but yeah. we were really so, you guys were in the wrestling business, so back then it was yeah. a little wild. Man, he'd wake up in the morning with a water bong under his bed with Jack. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? I'm like, bro, what the? You know, I mean, I tried a little of the guns. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was young. I smoked. We it. all did. Yeah. But I mean, but then I got like kind of like paranoid with it because like late at night, Jamie, Jamie Dundee be like, hey, man. He's like, you know, I remember one night it was like him and his brother-in-law, which I believe was Woofy D. I believe okay. I believe Woofy D was was partying with us mm-hmm. in PG thirteen. Another question I wonder if I had stayed, would I have got that chance? No, so I you uh, you work for Dundee's promotion, right? He was running I, something on the side uh, of USWA, but you never you didn't make it to USWA. Am I, I, am didn't, I, correct? I didn't, and didn't. I'm not going to be on here making stories up. You know okay. I, mean? uh, I I wished I worked for USWA, but I, right. in the in the in the two and a half three months I was there, I was training a lot. I was I was partying a lot. I was traveling a lot. I was learning a lot. I traveled with with Bill Dundee down the highway. He'd always have a gun under his seat. Mm-hmm. Without a gun, um, I, I I I traveled a lot with Jamie Dundee. Uh, I worked for Dale Mann. Um, Dale Mann uh, brought in some big names. Actually, you know who debuted with Dale Mann? Who's that? Hillbilly Jim. Okay. Yep, Dale Mann. Um, All right. So I debuted with him, and uh, the main event that night was Superstar Bill Dundee against Chris Champion of the New Breed in a cage match. Uh, and I, I worked I worked with the Hit Squad, and I teamed with Chris Michaels. Um, the hit squad, uh, hit squad was the heels. We were the faces, and uh, they were managed by Rowdy Red. Um, and uh, that was that's really what I did. The small indies. Um, I I did go to I did go to all the shows, but I was kind of one of the extras, and I was a northern guy, young guy, and they were like, eh, not tonight, not tonight, not tonight. So right. I didn't get as much as I wanted to get out there. I remember one night I worked a card out there, and uh, Sylvester Ritter, Junkyard Dog, was the main event. 
Um, but being in the South Brick, it was oh, it was hardcore, man. I went to the locker room one night, and uh, I forget who it was. It might have been. I'm thinking. You remember Randy Rose? I, I think it was of course Randy. the original was, Midnight Express and and such. Yeah, I believe yeah. he was down there at that time because I remember seeing his his was his robe like gold, like gold. I believe at one point, because yeah. I remember he wore regular ring jackets at one point, but he might yeah. have had a, you know, a gold one at, at one point. I'm trying to remember exactly. So I was in a locker room. Yeah. Every night. So yeah. that night I was in the locker room, but I wasn't working. And, and Randy Rose right. was on the card. And I'll, I was new, man, still new. And I just went like this, just to say, oh, man, this is cool. Get your fucking hands up. And, Whoa. You know, and he's like, lock up with me. And then we locked up and then we locked up and. And they slapped me in the chest in the in the locker room, and I they punched me, and I throw forearms at them. And this in the locker room, I wasn't even getting paid. It wasn't even at work. No one's even. I'm like, what the hell's going? But that's the way they were keeping me down south. So you got to remember, I came out of Kowalski's with that hard knocks, old school killer Kowalski, killer Kowalski in the ring with me. Mm -hmm. Many times Kowalski threw that claw on me. Many times Kowalski threw a forearm at me, like. Him and I in the ring, and then when I went down south, it was like it was similar. It was similar, like you know, um, it was like sometimes like shooting up in a way, you know. Yeah, man. Tell me about working with uh, Bull Montana. Oh man, Bull Montana, man. <laughs> oh man, you did. A, you got some notes there, huh? I definitely have some notes. Yes, yeah, I did my research. <laughs> yeah, man, you're a good guy, man. You're a good guy. Matter of fact, just so you know, you're such a good guy. And you're friends with, with Big Daddy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I usually get 1000 for this podcast. Uh, since, you're friends, <laughs> since you're friends with Big Daddy. Since you're friends. And, and, and just so I, I'm just saying, I, I value Big Daddy's friendship. So yep. instead of the instead of 1000 the G, just throw me 980. Call <laughs> right, I got you. Checked <laughs> in the mail. So. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Um, but Bull Montana, hey, man. Um, I remember him as Ronnie DeStefano. That, well, that's mm -hmm. his real name, and Ringo. Uh, I remember watching him at the old Roseanne Ballroom for ICW. Um, and when I met him, I was a teenager. I didn't even – before I even got into sport. And I call it a sport because it is a sport. It's a sport. Uh, trust a sport. me. I'm always defended as a sport. So so when I met when I met uh, Bull for the first time, Rick, was uh, I was a teenager at the Roseanne Ballroom ICW. And I went over to – this. you'll like this story. It's an ex another exclusive story. And I, I was talking to him, got his autograph or whatever. And I says, uh, I said, Bull, whatever I said to him, I says, I said, I'm sitting in the front row, man. I'm like, I seen you on ICW. Cause you remember, I was a fan of ICW before I even worked for ICW, right? Yeah. Most of us were. And I, said, I, was, you know, and, and I says, Bull, I says, uh, can you, I says, look over where I am. I'm going to be in the front row. And Bull, Bull says, like, this is, hey, he says, he says, I'll kick, I'll kick the bottom rope on your side of the ring. I said, okay, thanks, Bull. <laughs> so he kicked the rope. He kicked the rope, and that was like a big deal. You know what I mean? Like he would kick the. But I never forgot it. As, it, as you know what I mean. But but as I when I got into when I when Tony when I started working for Tony Rumble in CWA, Montana managed me. Okay. Remember, me and Montana, Bull Montana managed me. But it went on for more than that. Me and Montana and I traveled together. Mm -hmm. Together, I brought I brought Bull up to uh, Green Mountain Wrestling with Gary Lajevin. I got Bull Montana a uh, some work out there with, with Lajevin in Newport, Vermont. Um, Bull worked as my bodyguard. I had the real deal Danger Zone briefly, like a some like a Piper's Pit. 
Um, and Bull would do the, the, the bodyguard like Orton did, and that got over pretty decent up there. So uh, Bull loved it because we would get hotel with hot tubs and $150, $200 paydays. Bull was like, I, I like this, brother. <laughs> I remember driving with Bull up to, up to Vermont one time in a snowstorm. And um, we had the road atlases back then. We didn't have any GPS. Yeah, no GPS back then. Yeah, yeah everything yeah. highlighted, Rick. Yep, we were going, and that was a long ride from Massachusetts to Newport, Vermont. So yeah. old, I, had a, I had old Dodge Shadow ES. I remember driving up, just me and him that 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 show, and we're, we're going up, and Bull's got the GPS. I'm like, Bull, brother, I'm like, what exit? It was snowing. I mean, it had to be 12, 14 inches of snow. The car sliding. I'm like, Bull, I'm like, what exit is it? And he's looking, he's looking at the map, he's looking at the, the atlas. It's like, Bull, what the, and, I, and it was getting a little, we're getting close to showtime. And mm -hmm. the roads were getting worse. I said, Bull, will you fucking tell me what exit is it? He goes, I can't read. <laughs> so I had to pull over and look at the, <laughs> at the <road. laughs> This is just this is funny shit, but this is. I mean, road stories can be hilarious because you know we all us all us boys have a bunch of them. I'm sure I know I do. Yeah, I mean, that's one. I mean, small little, you know. But Bull, yeah, Bull managed me. He was very vocal. He was a great manager. He was very professional. He always kayfabed. Um, he was always dressed nice. Um, he didn't. He wasn't afraid to get in the ring. He used the hood a few times. Um, he, he did the bodyguard gimmick for me up in Vermont. He he managed me the same time he managed Abdullah the Butcher. Um, okay. Rumble. He managed me when I was CWA light heavyweight champion, and he managed me when I was NWA New England light heavyweight champion because I held both titles, by the way, brother. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, tell me about, yeah, tell me about moving to NWA New England, which I think it was CWA initially, right? And then turned into NWA New England, uh, at some yeah. point. Yeah, when I came um, back, up, yeah, yep, yeah. go I ahead. I came back up, Rick. Yeah, um, I came back up from the south. And then I worked some small indies. Um, I worked mm -hmm. pro wrestling um, with Frank Castahanna and uh, Nick Castahanna. God rest both their souls. Nick Castahanna became Nick Steele. Okay. Who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and his his father, I worked with both of them. They had their own um, independent promotion called Coastal Pro Wrestling. Okay. That was the first strap I got. I won it in 93 over Sports Illustrated Robbie Ellis. Hit him over the head with a chair at the end for the finish as a heel and put him away. And uh, they had me as DLA heavyweight champion. That was 93. So I worked for Coastal Pro. I worked for New England Pro Wrestling, which was Rick Martellio, Big City Mike. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I met guys like, God rest his soul, great, great referee, Rick. Whiskey Jack Savage, rest in peace. What a great okay. guy. Uh, uh, Big City Mike, like I mentioned, Rick Martellio. Big John Callahan, who became Sajid Muldoon. Um uh, Ray Roy, the Mountie, another another great athlete. I remember him too. Yeah, do remember him. These are the guys that I 93, 92, 93. Let me ask you. Sorry, but to cut you off, but around this time period at all, because I know there's probably only a couple of years left before they close. But did you end up working for Tommy Jeanette's Northeast Championship Wrestling at all? I didn't. But you know who I worked with in 90, 1992? John McAdam. Okay. UCW, oh. and I work. I work with Scott Taylor, Scotty Too Hardy. I remember, yeah, well, I just saw him at an indie show in September, actually. He was like a surprise entrant, a surprise tag partner for, 
somebody. I don't remember, but I remember Scotty Taylor. Remember him as Scotty Taylor, and then eventually the Scotty Too Hotty stuff. You know, very talented guy, by the way. Very talented. Very talented. Ninety-two. You're probably still in diapers, but um, in I was 90- in high school. Let me come on now. No, I only you're, had a, you're young. I I still had two. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be forty eight this year. Okay, you're out of diapers in ninety two. I mean, I don't know, brother. I'm just I gave you a compliment, man. I'm I love the history of this whole thing, and that's the purpose of this podcast, especially that era of um, indies in New England, that early late eighties, early nineties. Has to be one of my favorites, you know. I think I think I think, and this is just me. This is what I think. My humble opinion is I believe you enjoy the podcast partly because you learn a lot. For your, for your own knowledge, it seems like you really want to learn. So Part of it is to to preserve the history of, I don't want to say professional wrestling in New England, but, you know, because we do, I do talk a lot about the New England and Northeastern scene. There's also a special part of it that I, I talk to a lot of guys from like the mid-Atlantic, South Atlantic area, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which I absolutely love. And even Memphis. Last night I had Bobby Blackburn on, which I thought was a phenomenal Mm. Interview. I, he had so many great stories, but mm. yeah, all, all your interviews have been great. I I, I check Thank them out all the time. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Um, so Rick Scott Taylor was teamed with Steve Ramsey at the time. They were called the Thunderbolts. Um, and then I worked with, and you know who did play by play back then? Because you you like play by play stuff because that's kind of yep. what you do. Chris Cruz from WCW. WCW. He he did IC or IWCCW for a yep. while too with Brian Webster. Brian, Brian Webster. Webster. Oh yeah. man, that guy's hot. That, that guy. You know, it should have been big league, like all the that's way. exactly what I was about to say. How that guy didn't make it in maybe WCW or uh, uh, WWF beyond me, even maybe like a second string guy, like the 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 second you know the B shows or something like that. Brian Webster was great, but he's yeah. still, uh, yeah. to my knowledge, even like a couple of years ago, he was still doing um, yeah. Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Out of Massachusetts shows, yeah, yeah. I'm so, sure he'll, he'll, yeah. he'll do it. I don't think he'll ever stop, man. That guy's that guy's like that guy. Webster's like I ended up meeting him again when I worked with, with NWA on Fire. Yeah, so that was, well, I, worked, I don't want to get that. all the way into yeah. it. I worked for them in like 12, yeah. 2012, 2013. But you were talking about UCW, John McAdam, brother, um, Flying Bill Wilcox was out there. Uh, Muffet was working there. God rest his soul, Dave Jones, Bad Hammer Jones. The Sin mm-hmm. Justice lookalike. Yep. I worked with him down there. Um, Andre LaRock and his brother, Pierre LaRock from Canada, the two hockey players. Those guys were massive. Um, they were with us at the time. Um, Pat Ryerson, who worked as one, Bruno Scaletti. Sky King, who worked as the other untouchable. The manager, Travis, Travis Melrose, who did a great, great gimmick. Uh, Orlando West was a, a ring announcer who became a man. He's a manager now. I forget what name he uses now, but he's a manager now, Orlando West. Um, uh, I mentioned Taylor. I mentioned Ramsey. Um, they, the UCW was a, a, a hot, a hot area. We ran up there in uh, New Hampshire, National New Hampshire, Rick. Did they ever run Connecticut at all? Or I no? don't think they did. McAdams. No, I don't think they ever did. McAdams sold out. And, um, you know, uh, I remember one night I was on the last match with Nick Steele and, mm-hmm. uh, the match before us was flying Bill Wilcox. And if Bill sees this, he'll get a kick out of it. Cause I still remember. Uh, Bill Wilcox and uh, Bad Hammer Jones, God rest his soul, and um, Dave and Bill went all the way around the arena in this this building in National Hampshire, cheers and everything else. The whole place got shut down. The cops came running in, and the show got shut down. So the last match was me and Nick. 
we never went on. But McAdams still sent me that check. He still paid me. Yeah, I was waiting wow. for it. Yep, I got that check in the mail. It was fifteen dollars. Um, <laughs> it wasn't much, fifteen twenty something like that. But we got paid. We we didn't we didn't work. I mean, hey, that was paying your dues, man. Yeah. Just well, like, trust me, I know about that. I've uh, the majority of the shows that I I've done. So, anyways, that's that's, <laughs> that's part of paying your dues. You know what I mean. And I respect the business. So, and no, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I just know what ha what you have to do. Uh, you, you know, you you get an idea, but you yeah. but you still respect the guys that went out there and all those years. You got to remember, I I, I wrestled, I, I worked, wrestled, whatever you want to call it, for everybody how they can understand what I'm saying. I worked in the wrestling business slash sport. From 1991 through 2003, nonstop, and it, I did. Sometimes I did three shots in a row: Friday, Saturday, Sundays, whatever it yep. was. So that's a long fucking. That's time. considered a good week, a you time. know what I mean? Because and then I came back in 09. Oh, you did? Yeah, I came back in 09. That's when I shaved my head. I came back in 09. I started working for Showcase Pro Wrestling with Blackheart. And then is that I got, out of Pennsylvania? That's out Is of that Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Okay, my bad. Sorry. And then that's when I started working. Uh, then I, I started training mixed martial arts, and then I debuted in cage fighting in 2012. Okay. So my career went to like 2013. So from 09 to 12, 2013, I was in both sports. 2000, All right. 2013. Um, Let me ask you, because uh, I'm looking over my notes here. This is a very interesting one, because this guy... One of the best out of the 80s and early 90s indies. He was, uh, to me, a real threat. You ready? DC Mad Dog Drake. Yeah, I, I, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I can't believe you brought up that name, man. I worked with him once. Well, I watched um, the old NWF that existed in the 80s. That yeah. he was uh, Bob Raskin's NWF, which uh, he was a part of. Um Jules Strongbow, I believe that he was a feuding with Jules Strongbow. Yeah, I'm he not, was. you know, and, and I believe that if I remember correctly, they had a steel cage match. Uh, I remember him. Obviously, he ended up uh, in that uh, feud in ECW with uh, what was it, the Sandman? I believe it was at one point. Uh, that, I think that was '94 or '95, and literally, I think that might might have been the last that I saw him. I could be wrong. I remember him in tri-state wrestling as well. Um, Joel Goodhart. How you connected my name with his name? Oh, I did my research. I did my oh, okay. research. Well, I worked with him just one night in uh, Thompson Speedway at Thompson. I told you when I do these interviews, I actually look into shit because, um, that's because I need to. Yeah. You know, that's one thing. I just wanted to ask you. And well, I don't ask everything that I that I come across. Okay, it's something that I myself, as a fan, especially a fan of that era, say, hey, you know what I mean? Something clicks there. DC Mad Dog Drake clicked. With me, when I watched him in the NWF, by the time he hit ECW, he was only in there for a little while. You know what I mean? But I just remember him. He was a an indie staple in the yeah, 1980s. You know what I mean? You know what? And I, I don't know. I met him only once, but I remember him coming up when I was younger. Um, Damian Kane, who before yeah, that, that was, was with him. Yep. Yeah, he, he was Ed Monkey Man Bonzo way back Ooh. in the Bedlam from Boston days. I don't know if you okay. know that. Yeah. No, I didn't. But yeah, man. So. So Drake, yeah. So Drake had to show up at Thompson Speedway. He worked under a hood one night, and I, I um, I, you know, I put him over, and um, and then I worked with Big City Mike that same night. Um, PJ Walker, 
who became just incredible work that mm -hmm. same night. Nick Steele, again, God rest his soul, he was there. Um, I did a lot of work. Man, the, that in the 90s, Rick, man, I, I got to work with a lot of different great talent and and, and did quite a bit of traveling. I mean, from, from Pennsylvania to, to Connecticut to Kentucky to Tennessee. And I ran into PJ about two years ago. Maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've run into him since, but I ran into him. Mick Foley was doing a speaking tour. If you Did you know that? Yeah, uh, yeah. A, a few years this. ago. And I was there with Big Daddy, actually. And I look over to my left, and who's sitting next to me but Justin Gretel, PJ Walker. <laughs> so I just said, hey, you know, I asked him, you know, we, I shook his hand, I talk, spoke to him. I've seen him twice since, you know what I mean? Um, I think I've seen him at um, the Slick Wagner Brown show. Not that. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen him in like 30 years, man. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a very, very nice guy. Uh, God forbid, you know, his all, all his troubles and, you know, look upon him, but. I remember yeah. fixing him up with the hot chick once too. That's just one other memory. You probably remember that. The first time I seen him was as 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 a PJ Walker. So I remember yeah. him. Uh, yeah, I remember him wrestling Mike Rotunda, New Haven Coliseum, to a twenty minute draw. Tell me that's not crazy. That is crazy, especially for, yeah. I mean, for him being like you know a lower card guy at the time. Yeah, well, they were Peter's they were great. building him up as the you know he was the preliminary wrestler that had the sudden win over him all of a sudden, so they were doing a loop where they were having matches like he couldn't beat uh, uh, or Rotunda couldn't beat him. We worked some battle royals together. Actually, yeah. no, no, we teamed once. We tag teamed once, me and Walker. And you know what, Peter? I know what happened that night, bro. He it was me and him. No, so you're laughing, Rick, but. It was Peter and I, we were working the the Rock Brothers. I don't know if you know these guys. If you look them up, Rick, uh, they were both legitimately from Canada. Andre LaRock and Pierre LaRock, six foot three apiece. They wore this, the hockey gear. I got to look back into them. So, yeah. They know. worked for that, um, that, Sorry, uh, that Vermont off. wrestling and shit. Anyway, so it was, it was Frank Train Fulton put that show on. It was at a uh, in Boston at a flea market. And it was the LaRock Brothers versus myself and pj walker mm -hmm. walker never tagged in i'm so here shoot on me they set me up man they beat the shit out of me those guys that <laughs> and pj's like this I'm, and i said i said pete i said pete you never got in he says i couldn't reach the tag i'm like bro come on man <laughs> i still i forgive you dude that was a lot of years ago man <laughs> tell me about working with uh uh ted petty and uh, Johnny Grunge, Public oh, Enemy. Oh. Ted was uh, another IWCCW staple, but obviously he went on the ECW and they, uh, you know, they formed Public Enemy. Yeah, man. Great guys, man. I love those yeah. guys, man. Uh, I, had, I actually had the opportunity to induct him into the 2010 Hall of Fame. I did this. Uh, which Hall of Fame? New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Okay. I did, yep. I did the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I did their induction in 2010 with Joe Bruin for, for the Public Enemy. That was a pleasure. So I met I met I met them like I say maybe mid 90s. Mm -hmm. We uh, we had, <laughs> we had some crazy nights, man. I remember being up there. You'll like this because one of the guys that was up there was Roadblock. Oh, Rochester Roadblock. Yep, the monster. So it was me, me, Ted, Johnny, and. Uh, roadblock, Rumble, uh, uh, just a bunch of you know, ICW guys, um, a lot of ICW guys, a lot of CWA guys. This is earlier '90s, 
and we're up mm -hmm. at uh, the Golden Dome in New York, and uh, a fight broke out in the bar, a, a shoot fight. And uh, no, this is good. You'll like this one. And uh, uh, Roadblock sitting up at the bar, and I guess this guy hit this woman at the bar, and Roadblock saw it happen. And he just got up, and he just cleared out like three guys at once. Boom, boom, boom. Those three guys went down the whole place. Everybody's throwing punches. So we're all in it now. Johnny and Ted, man, they got right in it, man. Those guys, those guys went boom. We're all fighting. Now we're outside of the, we're outside. Like, we're all outside now. It spills outside now. The cops are on the way and everything else. One guy's down on the ground. You know, Roadblock's already got out of there because he did his damage. Johnny Grunge and, and, and Ted Petty were still there. And I was standing there, and next to me was Trooper Gilmore. You know who that is? He won's, um, uh, what the hell was it? The, the Paulie Gilmore. New Extreme, New Extreme Wrestling or something like that now. Yeah, uh, yeah he's still running shows, I think, yeah. out of uh, Rhode Island and stuff. Now, you yeah. know, this is, a, this is a legit. New World Extreme. Sorry about that. World, I just, New World yeah, Extreme. the name came to me. Sorry about that. No, you got it. It's cool. It's cool. Now, now we're all outside of the of the venue, Rick. Okay, now people are busted up. The cops are on the way. Roadblock's gone. Ted Ted Petty and Johnny Grunge are still there. This one guy still trying to. They were putting a pretty. I, I just backed off. This guy was beat. He's on the pavement because he's one of the guys that was beating the woman or whatever. And, yeah. Because it was like it was pretty even. There was probably ten of us. There was probably about fifteen of those guys. They had us outnumbered, but we were beating the shit out of those guys. Now, Trooper Gilmore's over there. Now, one of the guys is like this, trying to fight back or whatever. And, and like I said, Ted and Johnny are there. And we were like, what the fuck are you doing, Jimmy? What are you doing? And Jimmy's like this. He's throwing work kicks at him. Jimmy, <laughs> 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 man, it's a fucking fight, brother. Uh, it was a real fight. <laughs> a real fight. Yeah, I worked with him one night. We did um, we did a, we did a television for Tony. It was and I think it was just becoming NWA New England. Uh, me and uh, an indie guy named Ralph Lano. We tagged up. Okay. Grunge hit that me. name I do. I do know that name. Yep. And he <laughs> with the clothesline. I took the bump outside. Yep. And they just fucking boom. They just they put him away through the table, and you know I get to work. And for some reason, Johnny, Johnny Grunge, um, Mike, Mike Durham, God rest mm -hmm. his soul. His real name is Mike. Yep. Every fucking night that we work, every night, they gave us. You got to buy a soap. I'm like, oh, fuck, you got no soap. Always ask me for fucking soap. Uh, and day with day and night. Johnny pottied his ass off. I remember one night we couldn't find him. It was like three, four in the morning. He was gone. Like, I don't know. He left with a chick. I think they're doing nose candy. Uh, I'm banging on the door. I'm looking. I'm like, hey, where's, where's Ted? Where's, where's, where's Mike? Where's Mike? And Ted's like, I don't know. Ted went to bed at like, whatever, 11 right after the show. Ted was like, cool. I met, I encountered him once at the uh, yeah. New Britain Sports Palace for an indie show. I've worked there uh, many times, New Britain. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, he was a super nice dude. Was it uh, Wrestlepalooza or IPW? I worked with JC Biggs there. Okay. Remember JC Biggs? It sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. And I worked for Tony Rumble there. Oh, I didn't know he ran there. Wow. Tony Rumble ran there. That's when I was working the angle with Millennium, Steve King. I was champion. Okay. Um, I remember. Was, 
one the first show I ever went there, Brick Bronski was the uh headliner. Do you remember Brick? No, that might have been is what after all three? All three? Oh no, it was God, 96, 97? Maybe they were in the maybe they were running also, but Jason was out there. Bronski was just coming from Stampede Wrestling actually at the time. Um, I think before they were like really kind of made it, uh, it was Devin Storm and Ace Darling were there. Uh, I'm working with those guys. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who else was there. It was so long ago. Nice man. venue, uh, yeah. Nice venue. Yeah, it was. It was a very oh nine one one was there. That was mm-hmm. you know when he was at his peak. Um, man, I'm going back a while. I'd have to really do some research to find it. Yeah, man, but you you know your stuff. I wanted to mention one person real quick. Big Val Puccio, God rest his soul. That big guy. Remember one one of the Undertakers, Undertakers right? Yep. Double Trouble. Yep. Yeah, man. Him and his brother. They own a limousine company in New York, man. I got to be friends with him. You know, I worked a, a match with him. We did a handicap, and uh, he was just like a – he was a gentle giant, man. I, I remember him working with Dan the B7 in one of the cards that I was involved in with Tony Rumble. And uh, Big Val Puccio, rest in peace, man. What a nice brother he was, man. And uh, just a real good fucking guy, man. You went way too soon, man. Can I ask you about a few names before we, uh, you know, end it, I guess you could say? Well, come on, man. I got to beat Metal Maniac, dude. He did four hours, bro. Bro, come on, man. Yeah, that, We're going to keep it. That the- was at 2 o'clock in the goddamn morning, all right? I know. I keep it. I tell you, let me tell you this story. Let me tell this story. I mean, and, and Jeff has asked me to come back since. I'm sitting here like, I'm going to be stuck for four hours with this guy if I start it late at night, which I used to do. I used to have to start it late at night. Uh, because my son's basketball schedule is so wacky. Um, but I was supposed to do it in the middle of the day because he lives in Hawaii and I live out here in Connecticut. We're going to do it. And I was like, damn, my son actually, which I didn't expect because his team sucked. They lost the game. <laughs> or they they won the game, which I expected them to lose. So they had to play another game. I'm like, shit. All right. So I called him up on the phone. He's like, yeah, no problem. We'll do it tonight. He's like, good thing I didn't put my paint on. This dude did the whole fucking interview in his gear. Painted up in his tights and everything. I'm like... You're fucking crazy, dude. We started at 10 o'clock at night, and we went to four hours. I but At 2 o'clock in the morning, I was like, holy shit. I, I was literally falling asleep. I had to force him to get off. You must have been flying <laughs> high, man. Oh, I was we'll drinking. Keep it, we'll keep it under two, man. We have, <laughs> hey, man, we got, this is exclusive. You got to remember, I still got, yeah. the, I got the big announcement. And I would like to talk about what, what what I'm pursuing right now. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. We probably got uh, – I could do another little while before anything, uh, you know. But I, I just have a few names that I, I want to mention, throw out to you. Obviously, you mentioned him earlier, the uh, organizer of the New England Hall of Fame, New England Fan Fest, Joe Bruin. Tell me about this, Joe. I mean, hey, let me just tell you something. One of the hottest working guys in the business. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a – he's a, yeah. I'm going to tell you, very professional. Yeah. Um, he keeps it real, man. You know what I mean? That's what I got to say about him, man. I'm way back with that guy. I remember that guy just, just banging on the door just to get a ring announce a gig, man. I always had a good voice on the mic. Joe Bruin, man. Yep, I got a lot of respect for him. Just like I said, when I, I was inducted in 2011, late, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, I was I was inducted in 2011 doing the pros on with uh, cheap, late great Chief J. Strongbow, Rick Martell, Tito mm-hmm. Santana, uh, Samu, the head shrinker, someone number three. Yep. Uh, and Joe Bruin put that on, man. He's just, he's just, and I, what I said on the mic is true. I said, Joe Bruin, let's hear it for Joe Bruin. So they get the clap, you know what I mean? Because the guy works hard, just like you, you're working hard too, bro. I, dude, I see everything he does literally every day on social media promoting this year's uh, New England Fan Fest. All the collectibles that he's putting up, everything he's doing, the guy's insane. Like, and the thing, he has a family. He makes time to sit there. 
and chill with his family on top of it. Well, so. He's doing what he loves. My toy, do what yep. you love, man. Yep. We're, we're here for a good time, not a long time, brother, man. <laughs> Did you ever work for Tommy Fierro out of uh, New Jersey? No, I didn't. I tried. No, no. I, I did try to get in with uh, Drizzy All Pro. They were a little bit of hardcore. Okay. Yep. Uh, I did. I was talking with them, but I never got a chance to work with those guys. No, I didn't. Okay. I don't know who. Um. Let's see. There's two other names. Another. I, I love the names. They're going to be somewhat random. Okay. I tell you. Have you? I, and this was a New England guy. New England. Uh, NWA New England guy at one point. Ron Zombie. Oh yeah, man. Ron's Ron's cool, man. Yeah. Ron did a lot, man. He, um, you know, he worked with some big names, a lot of hardcore. Always still active today, by the way. He's still active today. See, I haven't yeah. seen Ron in so long, man. I didn't know he was still. I know, I know. I believe he worked with Cactus Jack, and I believe yeah. he worked with some big names. Yeah, Ron Zombie, man, was always professional. Um, you know, soft-spoken guy, but can can really uh, get in the ring and mix it up. And he came in a little bit after me, but I, I do remember. Um, him coming up and he worked with Tony. Matter of fact, I, I did um I did a six man tag. I'll tell you real quick if you want to hear about zombie. Zombie tagged up with Curtis Slam Dog. Um and uh, it was Curtis Slam Dog, Ron Zombie, and one other heel. They were managed by Jim Cornette. This is a good story. So you gotta remember Zombie Rick, Ron yep. Zombie, Curtis Slam Dog. You've heard of him probably, right? Came out of Green Mountain. Oh, yeah, I remember him very well. Yep. So you got zombie. Um, you got Curtis Slam Dog and one other. God, I mean, forgive me, man. I can't remember who you were, bro. And, and, the, and the faces were myself, Real Deal Joel Davis, Trooper Gilmore, and Gino Martino, the extreme strong man. They, Zombie Slam Dog and their partner were managed by Jim Cornette. We were managed by Captain Lou Albano. So the heels go out. Now we go out with Albano. Albano starts coming out like this with us. And just as we get to the curtain, he takes a right and he goes back in the locker room. Where's fucking Albano? <laughs> Albano never came out. He didn't want to work it. So uh, at the finish was Cornette, Jim Cornette whacked me with the tennis racket across the back. And I took the big power bomb from, I think it was Slam Dog. But yeah, and I like Ron. I like Ron, man. Let me ask you, I know this is going to be a random freaking name, and most, like, most likely you might not have heard of it, but according to this gentleman, he has worked in NWA New England. I know he was friends with Jason Rumble. Uh, Mickey Biggs, have you ever encountered this guy? I'm guessing yes by the laughter. Come on now. Oh, here we go. We're going to shoot again, right? Should we Should we shoot, or should I Should I cut it off and talk off no, air, or? <laughs> no, I'll just tell you right now. Man. All right, go for. It. He I was. Mean, I, all I, right, I, I'll tell he, you after. He was trained. I just, dude, that dude, man. He's got he's got more stories than Walt Disney, man. You know, I got him in with Rumble, and he worked briefly with Rumble. Okay. Okay. Let me just tell you straight up, and this is something you probably don't know. I'm mean, in fact, I, I'm almost positive you don't know. Shoot. Train, I'm gonna shoot. He was supposedly trained by Ox Baker, the king of the hot punch. God rest his soul, Doug. This guy, I loved Ox Baker, man. He was legit, too legit to quit. I loved Ox. I got an opportunity to work with him, do some guest referees with him. Um, Ox was great. So Ox Ox Baker, I mean, come on, who doesn't know the king of the hot punch? Because he's the original. Right. Yep. So when I met Mickey Biggs, and I'll never forget it, and and, and he, he can deny it, but it's true. I met him at Old Saybrook, Connecticut, your state. And Ox Baker was working the card for Rick Martellio. And I was already in, I was already pretty well rolling. I was 
probably third, fourth year in Rick. I was like 93, 94 already in. I back from the South, et cetera, et cetera. I forgot who I was working with that night, but I was working that card. And Baker came in and I was, I, I introduced myself to Baker, told him that I had a, a, a magazine, an annual with him on the front cover with Andre the Giant. Um, I told him about that because I used to be a big, I used to be a pro wrestling magazine collector. I actually, a little, a little something for you. I sold my magazine collection to pay, to pay for my training at Kowalski's. Well, if you still had them today, I would have bought every single one of them because I'm telling you, I'm a collector of magazines. I'm Old magazines and programs. I, uh, I'm i always on the hunt for those, man. I get stuff all the time. When I get the next yeah. deal, I'll let you know. Um, yeah. But my private collection, I'd already sold. But I get stuff all the time. I'll let you know. Man. Yeah. We'll stay contact. Yeah. So uh, back to that. So so Baker's like, Baker says to me, because um, he knew Baker. I think I introduced myself to Baker, but he might have known me from one of the show. And he says to me, he says, these are my guys. And I says, and it was it was Mickey Biggs. He went by Powerhouse Mike. Yep. And it was another guy. I forgot the guy's name. And 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 uh Mike, I, I think that's his real name, Mickey Biggs there. And he's standing there. He, he says, uh, my name is you know, and I said, You train with Bick? He says, Yeah. He says, but uh all I've done right now for training so far, he says, is I cleaned out Ox's garage. <laughs> I said, what? He says, yeah. He says, Ox said that was part of the training. I moved like Pete Moss and Kyle Manure and clean up his garage. From I'm like, dude, man, that's a work. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, you paying him? I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't know the fucking guy. So I had these, I don't know if you remember, I had these laminated ace cards that had yep. my, my laminated them. It was full of them. I throw them to the marks when I come out. Yep. Right? I don't know if you remember that. And I'd autograph them once in a while. So I had some there. And your boy, whoever the hell he is to you, Big says, he says, can you, he says, can I have one of those? Can I have one of those? Can you sign one of those? And so I signed for, so as, so maybe a year or two went by, he asked, he kind of like got in a little bit and he asked me, he says, can you interest me to Jason? I interest him to Jason. Bro, he's got a lot of stories, man. I, I got no, I got no problem with the guy. I just think the guy's got a lot of fucking stories, dude. You know what I'm saying, man? I think half of what he says is a fucking lie. The other half don't believe. I mean, he's got a career, man. He got, I mean, shit, if you talk to him long enough, he was Intercontinental Champion in WWE. I mean, dude, I heard some of the stories the guy comes up with. Like, yeah, bro, I mean, it's uh, pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I'll wait till the uh, after the show's over. Anyways, tell me about working Jason Rumble. I mean, not working with, but uh, you, you know Jason Rumble, obviously, correct? Yeah. You have man. to know Jason. Yeah, man, I actually, Jason, I, I, you know, Jason and I met in, in uh, probably like 97 when he come out of, he come out of Kowalski's at the time, later Kowalski's uh, training. Jason came in, man, and uh, he was always a good, he was always a good worker, man. He, um, you know, he was always tight with Bo Douglas and those guys came in and um, we never really worked too much together, but we worked together. Like we worked in the right. same locker room. Um, yep. then when NWA New England started rolling, we started to network together and I would sell tickets out of my sports card shop and we would, um, run some big events out this way. And Jason was always pretty much by his word, man. I mean, I, I really got nothing bad to say about the guy. I mean, he, uh, he, he, he had a great run himself, and uh, I ended up going back working with him with Victory Championship Wrestling towards the end of, uh, you know, towards the end of my career. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, Jason's legit. Jason was on this podcast last year. We went an entire two hours talking about his career, talking about Tony's career uh, or Tony's influence over his career, etc. I've seen it. There's only some that I wish that I could have edited out if you've seen it. So, well. 
Hey yeah. man, I mean, I, I mean, he, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, I guess he's friendly with Bigs now, or whatever. And sometimes people say things they shouldn't say, or whatever. But you know, you know, I mean, hey, everybody does what they do. I like to keep it real, brother. You know, what I, I mean? hear you. If I, I go tomorrow. You. At least everybody can say, you remember that guy Joel Davis? You, they either you like me, or you don't. But I mean, at least I keep it real and I respect everybody. You know, unless I have a reason not to. That's right. Um, so what else you got? I understand you have a very special announcement to make, and is there something else? Well, I have a, a very special announcement to make, and I'd also like to talk about um, the stand-up comedy. I got into stand-up comedy. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, real quick. I appreciate it. So um, it's always something that I've always really wanted to do, um, and I, I got into stand-up comedy. Uh, my, my actual first gig was last November, November 1st. Okay. Uh, Where was this? This was in Johnston, Rhode Island. Okay. And I got my first opportunity, and the promoter that gave me the opportunity is John Parada, John Parada's uh, Comedy Factory. And John's been around for like 30 years in, in the comedy scene. Um, he finally gave me an opportunity. I've been trying to get in, Rick, into stand-up comedy probably pretty consistently, I'd say, for almost like one year now. I had messed with it a little bit way, way, way back, but the time really wasn't right for me, and I was still in the wrestling business, and you know, and I was still still active, etc. And I did some personal training. I did motivational speaking. Um, I was still wrapping up MMA and the boxing career that I had up until like 2013. But in the last year or so, I started to get back into, you know, pursuing stand-up comedy. And uh, no one really would let you in. It's it's, it's tough. It's tough because they won't really give you a break. But Parada did. And I, I had that first gig uh, on November 1st. Um, I've had uh, six different gigs right now. Okay. Um, a couple, couple pretty big ones. One at Cranston, as far as I'm concerned, in Cranston Rhode Island at the Comedy Park. That one's on YouTube right now, um, and it's just great to get the laughter. And I really, really like um, the business aspect of it. Way back in the day, I went for training. I went for commercials. Um, I, 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 I tried out for different commercials and did a little training with that. Um, I've been on the Jerry Springer show twice. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Sorry about that. I forgot that I wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. So this, so just to talk about the stand-up real quick. So the stand-up is uh, I'm, I'm back up there on March 19th. Uh, March 19th is a Sunday back in Johnson, Rhode Island at the Copperfields. I can't wait to get back. The crowd is great. I have a, all new material. I always bring new material to the table. It's all real-life stories, and I tell, I tell it with, with my passion, I, and I, I give it my all. Um, some people maybe not know how to take it, but that's just the way, that's the way I roll. That's my persona. Some people really like it and they're really loving the one legged whoop, whoop. You know, I do the whoop, whoop and the people, you know what I mean? They're, they're doing it, man. They're doing it, man. So, Hey, you know, like I say, reinvent yourself, brother. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm up there a little bit right now. You know what I mean? I, I, I just turned 33 years old. And <laughs> I was gonna say you can't in legit you cannot be that much older than me. Let's let's seriously know. Yeah, hey, you know, I mean that's for another day. But I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I haven't had a bad head day in years. You know what I mean? I shaved. You know? but, but the thing is, I love the comedy, Rick. Thank you for letting me mention that because I, I of course one broadest comedy factory out of Rhode Island. Um, you know, you can check them out. I I, I love I love the stand up comedy. I worked with some real professionals um, like Stephen Danucci and Rock and Joe Hebert. And I can't wait to get back on the stage, man. I mean, uh, I, I am looking into some other venues, too, uh, in other states, like as of New York City. But There's yeah. one out here in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is probably about a half an hour from me. You're, I'm sure you're familiar with Bridgeport, to some extent, at least. I did. The, I did. The sh Ever hear Rich, T Rich Tenassi or Rich Tassi or Rich T? I, yeah. Rich T, he used to do a cable show, Rick, out in, in Bridgeport. 
Rich T. The, the wrestling guy. Yes, with the glasses, the nerdy yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, I remember Rich. Yeah. Yes, I used to watch him. He was on Friday nights on Cablevision. And if you remember, also on the same channel, the Bayou Mountie. Do you remember him at all? Yeah, I do remember that guy, yeah. But well, Rich and I became kind of friendly. Big Daddy did that show. I did that show. I remember, like, back in the day, man, because... They were on Cablevision, public access, and I remember they always, uh, was it, uh, was it uh, the Bayou Mountie? I know there were two separate shows. Bayou Mountie had a feud with Jerry Jer, if you remember that guy. Mm. And Rich T always reported the news, and uh, he always had the local guys on all the time. Yeah, I had done that show a few times, man, and Rich was kind of like, well, he was, he had a good, he didn't, you, your, your, your personality, in my opinion, and I'm not just saying this, if Rich was here, I would tell you both <laughs> You got you're a little more up and beat. Like he was kind of like walking. <laughs> I'm back. not always like that, you know. I mean, no, but, but no, when you're talking wrestling, though, but no, but he was like, you like, this is Rich T. We're here. <laughs> I was wondering whatever happened to that guy. Uh, so you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's, I don't know, close still living in his mama's basement. Maybe he so. might be still living at home, man. I mean, come on, <laughs> yeah. the guy's only 63. <laughs> <laughs> he's a nice guy, though. He's no, nice he guy. he was a super nice guy, and he still uh, owes me money. If you see him, let him know he owes me really? money. Really? Yeah, he told me he was going to pay me for the shows. I did three shows, hundred a shot. That's back when I wasn't known. I get a thousand now. I already told you. That. <laughs> right, I, so well, I love Rick Daddy. Rick, 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 the big daddy. Yeah. I love that guy, man. No, he's a he's a wonderful dude. A very good friend. Very good friend of the show. Uh, always putting us over, and he's been a guest on this show. I think he's the. He's been a guest on here more than anybody else. Exactly. Literally. I've seen I've seen him on your show, like when I go on YouTube. He's been on probably about what about 14 times? I'd say more about six or seven. <laughs> but, He's been but, on, I wanted to mention him again because he reminds me of the Rich T days, and Rick has always been cool with me. When Rick sees this man, he's gonna like it. We've always respected each other. You know what I, you know what I look at this is a guy that if, if you don't hate, appreciate. See, we, yeah. we appreciate each other. And, you know, you don't meet too many guys like that in the business because you're going to, especially when you're coming up. Right. You know, and, you're, and Rick was always cool with me. We've had some great, great times. And an amazing knowledge for the professional wrestling business and so smart uh, business wise. And he's, uh, I'd have to consider him a mentor, really. Yeah, that's so. great. I'm glad, I'm glad we brought his name up. Yeah. So you wanted? I wanted to make an announcement. And Absolutely. In the Springer Show, or you? Uh, you can make the just make the announcement. Yeah, sure. <laughs> bring up the bring up the Springer Show, and then we'll make the announcement. Sorry, I just remember coming across the Springer Show yeah. Uh, yeah, while you searching did. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. You oh, so you did see it? Yeah. So I was yeah. on twice. I was on twice. Yeah. I was working for um, Regional Championship Wrestling. I don't know if you okay. ever heard of Ray Torres. Um, yes, actually, I had um. Who was it? Uh, Maniac Jimmy Dio on, and he uh, he hyped that up quite a bit. Yeah, Ray's a good guy, man. He knows yeah. his shit. Um, yep. So I worked with, and I actually worked at the Silo Silo nightclub. So that okay. Dio worked at, yeah. Um, so I was down there working down there with uh, Dirty Deeds, Darren Wise. Okay. Ray Torres, who who worked as the bodacious pretty boy, um, Chef DZ Gillespie, the big the big guy with the chef uh, gimmick. Um, Kid Extreme was down there. Um, uh, Bar Barry uh, Casino was managing down there. That was a good little uh, indie that uh, Ray brought me out to. Um, and I worked down there for a while. But while I was working for him, 
I bumped in Rick into Don McNeil for All World Wrestling out of Wisconsin. And McNeil McNeil seen me work a, a show out there in Pennsylvania, right in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, at one of the venues. And uh, Don McNeil came over. He says, he says, man, he says, he says, man, you got. And I had the mohawk at the time, the mullet. Remember that? Yep. And I and he says, he says, oh, he says, you got a good look. He says, my my friend, uh, you know, Toby Yashimoto, you know, he's looking, you know, what I mean, for guys to. For, I mean, I can't really say too much. But he's like, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, boom, boom. I'm like, yeah. I'll fly out. They flew me out there, and uh, you know, I did two shows in a row, man. I did two shows in a row. I mean, it was. Two ex-girlfriends put it on blast, and we did it. And I think yeah. everybody loved the part of at the end when the big big guy came out. You know, no disrespect. I mean, but I asked him when the last time he saw his penis. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you laughed. That was kind of funny. But they liked it. And, and when yeah. and then and Jerry said to me, Jerry Springer says, he says, he says, Joel, did you see Steve? You no, know, Steve. He's actually a Chicago police officer, Steve the Ball. Yeah. Yep, I remember him. Yeah, he's yeah. Chicago police officer. And, and Jerry said, Well, you see Steve? And I said to him, I said, Jerry, I got no problem with Steve, but Steve, get the crew ready, baby. He's, he had his own t- talk show for a while, too, afterwards. He did. Remember? Right. Yeah. He did. Yep. All right. So what's, your, so, what's your special announcement? Break it. Break it here. Let's do it right here. First time ever. So, so, right. So, this is what's going on. Sure. You might okay. You may have know. You may have heard a little bit about this before. All right. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna go ahead and just give you a little bit of information so the viewing audience, the listening audience, can get an idea of what's going on. I've had. A, I've had. A, as far as I'm concerned, I've had a great run. I love. I love the pro wrestling business. I always will. Um, you know. You know. I, I have. I, I really have a lot of passion for it. You know what I'm saying? As you can tell. And um, I gave it, I gave it my all. And I, you know, and I've had a lot of injuries and most days mm-hmm. I, I hurt, to be honest with you, most days I hurt. Um, I worked with King Kong Bundy multiple times, you know, Superfly Jimmy Snucker, Perry Satin, you know, those guys hit, you know what I mean? Yep. And, yep. You know, I've taken the avalanche like five, six times from Bundy. You know what I mean? Um, so there's different pain I have. So what I'm saying is, is now that I'm retired, cause I am retired now and officially retired, um, being retired, I um I, I I I've been a promoter for a lot of years. I promoted big sports events with with you know big you know Boston Red Sox, Dustin Pedroia, Patriots, Stephen Gostowski, whatever have you. So what I want to do, Rick, and what I'm gonna do, and what I started to work on last year, is I started looking into bringing some entertainment in with pro wrestling. So as far as a pro wrestling ring, that's pretty much a done deal. I I have one ready to go. Okay. Okay. The venue has been a big, difficult situation. I've had four different venues that I've looked at, and this is a shoot. Um, one of them I got to, and it was on a second floor. It was in Massachusetts that I was ready to, to rent right on the spot to start up the RBPW, Real Deal Pro Wrestling, which will be a training facility and run independent shows. And I'm, I'm concentrating Massachusetts, Rhode Island. That's what okay. I'm looking at. Either one, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. And that particular landlord had asked me, he says, which is so ridiculous. He says, I'm on the second floor, right? He's like, we're all ready to do the deal. He's like, now you guys, when you're training and you got the show, he says, now you guys aren't going to be loud, are you? <laughs> it's wrestling. We got, we, got, we got real estate. We got, like, insurance downstairs. And, like, you know, they, you know, like, dude, 
Now you're going to have them. Another place. Oh, we don't want traffic. Anyways, I'm looking for a fucking venue. Anybody knows an area we can put a ring in with 15-foot ceilings? Anybody out there want to help me out with it? Shoot me shoot me some information or let Rick the professor know I appreciate it. That's what's holding me back. But when I start this up, we're going to have, we're going to have opportunities for everybody. We're going to put your contact information in the description of this show. So make sure you send that to me uh, when right. we're done here. So when I upload this, yep. Yeah. So so yep. so so just to do the second half of my announcement is I'm bringing in also rock and roll. I want to bring I want to bring like the rock and wrestling connection back. I've also okay. talked to different entertainers such as Frank Santos Jr., who's an R-rated hypnotist, and I've mm -hmm. also talked to John Parada, who runs the Comedy Factory. If you get okay. what I'm saying. It's yeah. going to be a big deal in 2023. So we'll run a pro wrestling event, and then we'll have a special event that night during intermission. It could be the R-rated hypnotist. It could be a comedy show, or it could be a live rock and roll band playing the tunes. All and right. It, it, it's, it's it's the IDPW man. It's going to happen. Just, I, I've talked to I've talked to Brittany Brown from a Women's Champion. She's she's on board. Uh, another gentleman out of Rhode Island. His name is Dino. He worked as the Angel. A big you know Big Dave Vonestrad, Big Dog Marino. Yep. Big Dog Marino and his son Joey, Big Joey. They're gonna yep. be, they're gonna be involved. There are there, there are two or three big names that I'm not gonna mention that I've already started talking to and negotiating. So so it's starting to roll. It's just one of those things, Rick, I really want to do before I'm called up to heaven. You know, I want to do this. This is one of the things I want to do. Um, I'm gonna pursue my stand-up comedy career, but I also would love to get back into the business in that aspect. Hey, and is there one more match in me? Hey, who knows? Somebody pisses me off, I'll get in there and Kick their ass. I got you to smile again, brother. <laughs> you got one more name for me before we go? Yeah. Uh, no, I think I mentioned everything uh, so that I needed to mention. So do you, uh, why don't you throw out uh, how people can get in touch with you social media-wise? Oh, that's so awesome. Thanks a lot, man. So anyway, so you, so so you, I got that fitness page. I got about 1,500. Yep. Not as much as you. I know you're like at 26, 2,700. But you know what I mean? Like, like, Rick, like Rick, Rick, Bag, Rick Big Daddy would say all the time. I'll say it to you. How can I be the man if you're the man? And I'll say this to say that, <laughs> but uh, but that's him, isn't it? I did a good yes, yes. Yep. You know what I love about what Rick used to do? He used to do the, the heel manager, and he'd yep. take the referee in the corner because he managed me a couple nights in Connecticut, and he'd take the manager in the corner, right? And he'd be like bribing him, but he'd only have like two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real deal fitness and condition, real deal fitness and condition on Facebook. So that's real deal fitness and conditioning right on Facebook. Uh, my next stand-up comedy gigs will be on there. Um, anything with the RDPW will be posted on there. Anything with the the PWZ podcast. If we're going to do anything else, so on this podcast. Oh, we definitely will. That, trust me, because if you're running something like that, then uh, we're definitely going to have you back to talk about it. Yeah, man. We're going to bring in some names. We're going to be running. It's going to be a training facility and also a small indie fed. RDPW. Um, and uh, the Real Deal Fitness and Conditioning page is the best. Um, and then I have my my email, any Hall of Famer 2011 at cs.com. Any Hall of Famer 2011 at cs.com. So that, that the, the, the fitness page is the best way to, to get a hold of me. If you, if you want to, if you have any information, I'm going to leave that with Rick. If anybody has any venues that they know about that. Not only Massachusetts, Rhode Island, though. I'm not interested in getting into any other state. So Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and uh, we can, we can get it. We can get it. Cause I like to get in there. And that's sometimes that's tough to do. Cause a lot of venues don't really want to have, because you know, let's be honest, it's liability, man. Yeah. You know, people are going to be beating each other up and 
Like I told you, that one place, are you going to be quiet? I mean, come on, we're going to be quiet. We're pro wrestlers, man. It's wrestling. It's, it's not right. going to be pro quiet. wrestling, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's not, uh, it's not uh, study group. <laughs> Hi, Joel. I want to thank you for uh, coming in. Uh, of course, I want to tell everybody there while you're listening to like, subscribe, and share. Send Joel a message. Uh, send us a message, what you like. Make sure you comment and share the shit out of this episode. I told you. And, and go ch- back and check um, our previous week's episodes. Uh, some great interviews. I just confirmed a couple more. I think that some of the people are going to flip out over these. I definitely did when I confirmed them. So. I want to say everybody for thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Joel, for uh, for coming on. And I, I want to say exactly. I want to thank you too. And I'm going to plaster this all over the fitness page. It also has a sister uh, page, which is called Friends of Real Deal Fitness and Conditioning. So between the two pages, Rick, here's a shoot. No bullshit. I have close to two thousand people that are following like this. That's another two thousand. We'll push it. We'll push it. And I want to say this before we go. I said it in one of my comedy gigs. This is the truth for you. Um, I, I do have a neighbor that's, you know, you know, he's a little handicapped neighbor. I love, I love the guy or whatever. And I, I've always took time with handicapped kids and everybody else and, you know, mentally ill and the wheelchair sign autographs. I've always loved those kind of people for us. And I mean that from the soul cutting hot. But this kid here, he's, 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 he's a funny guy. He, I, all the time I give him a, a, a gift, you know, I give him some kind of gift, like a fire yep. truck, anything like that, a toy story or something like that. He'll say, Joel, you're a good guy. Joel, you're a good guy. So what I'm going to say before we say goodnight tonight on the PWZ podcast with the professor stole the name from fucking Toro Tanaka, Rick Del Santo. Rick, you're a good guy. But you know what he said to me after that? Fucking asshole. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. <laughs>